Thank you, David, so much. Thank you. And good morning. Uh, someone said, have you got your, your summer jumper on? And I said, kind of. The trouble is I've got a summer shirt on and I didn't iron it and it's missing a button, so I can't take my jumper off. <laughs> that's, the, that's the truth. I'd like to dress it up for you in a different way, but that's the, uh, that's the absolute, absolute truth. So if you're watching online, yeah, it's quite cold in Cheltenham today. <laughs> But the sun is shining in our hearts. <laughs> and anyone you notice in the film who, on the video who is wearing shorts is mistaken in the Lord. <laughs> David's prayed so wonderfully, but, but might, I, might I just pray, pray again? Someone came up to me and shared a picture in the worship of us as a great big tree and, and multicoloured leaves on the tree. And the sense that some of us have that uh, we, we're meant to be here. But actually some of the leaves on the tree almost feeling out of place. And the Lord's saying that we are all here for his purposes. We are his guests. We're invited to the Lord's table. And so our prayer, Jesus, is, as David has said already, this is your church. We are your people. You are the one who, who gathers us in. And you have purposes for us. You have vision for your church. And we want to join in with you. We want to see what you're doing, God, and join in. Holy Spirit, you are the one who comes as our guide, our comforter, our encourager, our leader in mission. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would we lean on you, not trust in our own strength, but lean into God, press into God, Holy Spirit, come, come, come. Amen. So good to add my welcome to, to David's. If you are visiting us today, you're just so, so welcome in this place and um, love to have you on the journey, if, if, if that's the journey here, but also love to encourage you, I hope, with a bit of a sense of vision for your journey, wherever that's being expressed, wherever God uh, is calling you. There are no accidents in the kingdom of heaven, so you're here today for a purpose, whatever that might be and whatever that might look like. Um, as, a, as an elite athlete myself, I'm obviously sorry to be missing out on the marathon today. Actually, I, I say that sort of slightly, of course, because we do on the staff team, our leadership team, we have Tim and we have others who definitely could run, uh, run that, that particular race. Um, and uh, I, it just feels very apt. And I'm going to make some references. Hebrews 12 and, and verse 1, um, the writer says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our, of our faith. Run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Uh, I love the fact that the marathon, the London Marathon, is a mix of individual stories 
and also the whole of the story together. And that is, I think, an absolute picture for us. I felt it reinforced by uh, that picture from God of the tree with the, the multicolored different leaves on it. I mean, there are going to be some Andrew Blythe-like runners in that marathon today who will not be uh, leading the way in any sense. Perhaps they'll be um, wearing some kind of costume to cover up a little bit like my jumper today. But they're part of the story. And they have an individual race, don't they, within the bigger race that is, that is going on. And I love that picture as we think about ourselves. It, it is a marathon, not a sprint. That's a, an important thing to say. Paul uh, writes, doesn't he, about straining and stretching for, for the line in the race uh, of life as we, as we follow Jesus. But it, it, it isn't a sprint. It is a marathon. And that's not a negative. That's not a, an oh no kind of way of saying it. That's just an encouragement and a reminder to us about this unfolding story over, over time. So today, as, as Vision Sunday, it is an opportunity to, to say thank you, to say thank you personally for the welcome and the encouragements that we've received from you as our church family over, over these months. It, it very nearly is. This week will be exactly one year of our, of our coming to, to Cheltenham. And uh, although we, we do say, because we always want to be completely honest, we do say we have a sense of still settling and I, I think it'd be really odd if we didn't say that. That wouldn't be truthful to say we're, we're still settling, but we just feel so welcome. And we love being here with you. We really do. So thank you. And, and also it's a chance for us as a church. Again, there's the individual story, but there's also the bigger story of the race that we're running. It's an opportunity to say thank you for each other and the gifts that we share. I, I hope you are so clear that everything we do is, is a bringing together of our gifts, our time and our talents, and yes, our, our financial gifts as well. That is church family. It is, it's dreadfully easy, I think, for all of us, I absolutely include myself in this, to, to turn community and to turn relationships into an it. It, it is very easy uh, to turn a leadership into a they, and a people into a they. And that, that language is not biblical. That way of thinking is not how God has called us to be people together on the journey. Even if occasionally some of us might kind of actually act in that sort of way and might, might in a sense deserve that kind of language, it isn't actually the right language to use. We are on a journey together. And, and this is a combination of us. So important that we recognize today is not about, in any sense, me kind of trying to set out a vision uh, on behalf of Andrew or a vision on behalf of the leadership. And, and then others in this, in this family might decide whether or not we're going to follow that vision or the vision as if it was something removed from us. Whatever God is calling us to, it will be ours. It must be ours. It's a moment then to take stock on a Vision Sunday, 
to see how the Spirit is leading us, to see a, a picture of the future that God is painting for us, and to set the compass for the next stages in the journey. There'll be plenty of marathon runners today who are not thinking about the end of the marathon. I mean, they, they might look forward to it and they might hope to it, but they know they have to focus on the first bits of the race. They have to get through the different stages of the race so that they will be there at the end. So I really want to encourage that thought about what is our vision as God's people as Trinity Cheltenham? How is the Lord leading us? And I, I, I know that we say this, and we have always said this as a church, but I also consistently have people making comments to me that make me realize that sometimes it's not always believed, that there's an invitation here. There's an openness in our leadership for this to be shaped by us. I, I do have responsibilities to bear as the lead pastor. We as leadership team have responsibilities to bear in this thing of vision. But it has to be ours. And I just pray that you would absolutely take us at our word when we say, if you have things to share, if you have ways to contribute to what God is doing here, then please, please bring them and share them and hold us to account for this wanting to be something that we do together, for a vision that resonates for us as a community of Jesus followers, all of us asking the Holy Spirit to inspire, to empower and to lead us in arranging our lives around him, around Jesus. See, we have an enduring mission it's there on the screens for us. It will be to make committed followers of Jesus who change communities and nations for him. That's our enduring purpose. That's our why as Trinity Cheltenham. And that doesn't change. But actually, that isn't a vision. I'm going to say a little bit about what a vision is as I then try and lead, lead into it. In a, in a time of transition, I think it's even more important to just be clear about this. So God's vision is, first of all, a picture of our future to inspire our present. That's both corporately, together, and individually. A picture of our future to inspire our present. Do we have that as Trinity? And do you have that individually for yourselves as a follower of Jesus. In the, in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, he was a prophet writing in the late 7th century before Christ. It was a time of doubt and, and of perplexity. Where was God? What was God doing? Why was God using uh, the Babylonian empire to exercise judgment on his people? And at the beginning of, of chapter 2 of Habakkuk, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the rampart. I will look to see what he will say to me. 
And then the words on the screen. God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. Our God wants to give us a picture of the future which will inspire us together, but also, as I say, to inspire each one of us. And just really want to right away say, if you don't have a sense of personal vision, if you don't have a sense of yourself that inspires you now, then why not just come to the Lord immediately, immediately at this point? I'll be offering that opportunity at the end of our time together. But even now, what's the personal vision that's part of the the together vision? You see, there'll be plenty of people, won't there, thinking about the end of that marathon race. They'll be thinking about on the mall. They'll be thinking about running with the palace and the medal. And for us to be Christians is to, yes, think of the end and and running not to the queen, but running to the king. And I'm not talking about Charles. But where now? Where now for us? What's the picture? You'll have heard in those words from, from Habakkuk in the message version, you'll have heard a, an encouragement to patience. There is times when the vision has to be printed out in ways and expressed and shared in ways where it can be carried. And that's something we're looking for. But there's a call to wait and for patience and it's coming. So our vision as a church, our vision individually, a picture of the future to inspire our present. Secondly, God's vision, a godly vision, marks out the pathway from our present to the future. Proverbs 29, 11, these words. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Some of you know other versions of that which say where there is no vision, the people perish. So the Bible's clear with us that there are different pathways. There's a a pathway without God leading, without the Holy Spirit being our our lead, our guide. And uh, it's a path of stumbling. It's also a path when obstacles seem to have no purpose. And so our temptation is to try and avoid those obstacles, to to fight about those obstacles. I just, just wonder if there's anyone here, you feel a bit like that, that obstacles, you can't see any purpose in them. But on the, on the pathway with God leading, with the Holy Spirit leading, it's a root of blessing. And the, the Hebrew word that's used in that proverb for blessing is, a, is the happiness of knowing that God is at work in us. And that changes the nature of the obstacles. David's referred to our history And friends, it is now my history as much 
actually is yours. It's our history as a church. And there are obstacles. There are things that have caused us to stumble in the pathway. But if we look to God and his way, then there is purpose. We will know that God is at work in us. Again, just how might that land for you personally, as well as it lands for us together? Are you facing obstacles and it just feels like all you want to do is simply try and avoid those obstacles because you can't see any purpose in them? How might a godly vision cause you to see those things in a new way and part of his path. And so for thirdly and and finally, God's vision is about the way we see as well as what we see. A picture for the future, a pathway, and a way of seeing as well as what we see. Paul prays for the Ephesian church. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So Paul is saying that we we perceive with our eyes in our heads, but we understand and we interpret with the eyes of the heart. As we lean into God and trust in him, not in ourselves, the Holy Spirit reveals to us the true reality of all things. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the truth that sets us free. I just, again, felt really called as I was preparing. I really felt the Lord laid on my heart to say these things about the nature of vision. And again, I'm just sensing that some of these things may be resonating. I gather that people are quite focused on how Mo Farah will finish the marathon. He's well known for having won the 5,000 and the 10,000 metres by having a great sprint finish. But that was over a few hundred of metres. And I heard Mo on the radio say, friends, I've got to get to the end of the marathon before I can even begin to think about using any kind of sprint. God's vision is the way we see the path as well as the end of what we see. And so when we think in the Bible, God's vision for us personally and for us as our church involves these three dynamics. It involves oversight, it involves foresight, and it involves insight. Oversight, if you like, is the kind of binoculars. That's the big picture of where we're going as a church and where we're going individually. Foresight is kind of like putting on the glasses and being able to see the next steps. Insight is like picking up the magnifying glass or the microscope and looking in detail to interpret what is going on. And it's easy when you're thinking about vision as a church family and it's easy when thinking about your own personal vision to get stuck actually in one of those dimensions. 
and to miss the other two. Oversight, foresight, and insight. So what about us? What about us? Well, I've already said one really significant thing, which is that it has to be us. I think a major element of the vision is just in that. This church has such a story of how people have gathered and shared their gifts and got involved and and had passions and had desires and had leadings from the Lord, which the Holy Spirit has, has highlighted and shone a light onto. And this church has then in faith stepped out to pursue those passions And that that remains our hearts. It does remain absolutely the heart of those that I share in leadership with. but, But it's not quite how I think we feel right at this moment. And so here, please, a desire for us to to bubble up again, to feel absolutely invited that whatever God is going to reveal to us, it will be in us. Yes, some of us have, as I say, this responsibility to, to write it down, to be able to communicate it and share it, but it's got to be us. So if you friends, being really honest and truthful, if you're feeling ever so slightly almost disabled by your own church and that's a strong word to use then I want to say I'm sorry deeply sorry about that and that's not how it's meant to be I've found myself turning to Colossians 1 and and 3 to 6 we'll put the words up as I've thought about, about our vision together and where I believe the Spirit is leading us. Paul writes, writes this, verses 3 through to 6. He says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. There's a promise there, isn't there? from God that Paul says he can see in this church at Colossae and this letter would have been shared across in in other churches as well. There's a promise that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is growing and is spreading. But as in many other places, do you notice the sense of order and process? It's about faith in Christ Jesus, and then the love that spring from that hope, and then the planting and growth. And that's why our vision, we believe we've been led to, has three distinct elements, positioning, partnering, 
and planting. And the Spirit's been leading us, as the Spirit always does, through revelation, through prophetic words and dreams, through, through counsel, through wise counsel as a community and sharing as leaders and others, through circumstances, through doors that we see opening, as well as some doors that we sense closing, and also through our God-given common sense. These are our three callings, positioning, partnering and planting that mark a path for us. They are both, you know, all of the three things that I said. They are the oversight, big picture. They are foresight as where we're going next. And they're a way of seeing now what is going on. They lead us into insights. They are critically, all three of them, in line with our story as a church family. In one sense, there's nothing new. They, they reflect our DNA here at Trinity as a church family. And they also reflect our context, where we've been located by God here in the centre of Cheltenham and the networks of relationships that that gives to us. But notice that the positioning and the partnering and the planting are two, to bless, to serve, and to plant for life. Positioning before God to bless. Paul writes, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. It is part of our core DNA values as Trinity to be Christ-centered, to be spirit-filled and be spirit-led. For everything to be rooted in prayer. Now, some of us might think that this is so obvious that it doesn't need restating. But friends, I know that I share with many in this church a sense of concern and passion for our hunger for the Lord. That, that, that sense of, of our first love as God's people. For prayer with that passionate heart to trust in God and not trust in ourselves. When we did the Healthy Habits series at the beginning of the year, deliberately, we talked about discipleship as being a, a decisive, you know, has a decisive beginning, but it is a decisive beginning for the journey ahead. So questions that we might ask ourselves individually and we also need to ask ourselves together. Are we growing in spiritual maturity as part of the body of Christ? Do we, do we feel stuck? Are we becoming more like Jesus in our words and our deeds? Are we joining in with Jesus' ministry? When we come to the front, as we do at the end of the service, will we place a hand on someone's shoulder to pray for comfort for them, as valuable as that is? Or will we pray for transformation in them? I love that story that David reflected because the, the church leader said to me, I could not recognize the person. I actually had to say, are you the same person that I saw a few weeks ago on the streets of Cheltenham? Because you look so different. Is our passion for transformation or are we willing just to settle for a kind of sustaining personally and as a church family. 
Thank you, Ben, for creating that space in our worship time. That's one of the things that we've been really pressing into. We're trying to reflect this in our, in our teaching series, Healthy Habits, Faith for Generations. And this term, we're going to be looking at Mark. We're going to be following through the whole gospel of Mark together. We think that the picture for the future might need to look, uh, as other churches are doing, about developing our own discipleship pathways, or some churches call this a rule of life, some way in which we can commit ourselves individually to the together as disciples of Jesus Christ. We believe and we're looking at, at mentoring networks. How can we actually have those relationships that really bring a sense of rigor, really bring a sense of, so what is God doing in your life? And we're looking into setting those up right now. And for us personally though, where's the vision to lean into God? I mean, we didn't just do that healthy habit series to, to tick a box. How are your habits? How are my habits as a follower of Jesus? In our prayer week last, last year, at the end of last year in September, there was a real expression of God's promise. You'll know many in this church family that 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a verse that's had significance in this church since 2014, long before any problems arose. And it reads, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And then last, week, last year in our prayer week, someone had a real sense of God saying, and you can read on into verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. There is such promise from our God. And that is a prophetic word and we've had a number about God's blessing, about the richness of what he wants to lay out before us. But it's the humility. It's the humility it's the desire to position ourselves before God. It's so easy for every single one of us to be consumerist about our faith. I absolutely say that for myself as well. It's so easy to be consumerist about our faith and to think that we come here, we participate for a bit, and what will God give to us? Friends, my church family, are we willing to be on our knees before our God to seek his will for us? Many of us called to model that, but we can't for a moment make anybody do that. Secondly, partnering to serve. Paul writes, and of the love, he says, speaks of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Again, this vision theme is part of our DNA as God's people. We have a commitment to good relationships, to equipping each other and to partnering in mission. Those are, are things that I was invited to come and join in with. But we have had many prophetic words about a new season in this business 
of partnership. We're not actually, I think it's truthful to say, very good at partnering with each other in the gospel. That's the truth. There are too many people who belong to our church family with amazing gifts, with amazing opportunities that we're not serving and enjoying. The truth is we've not been thought, even though Tim and others really had begun to address this, we're still having to win trust as a partner with others across Cheltenham and beyond. There is, though, God's call to us to be great partners in the gospel with each other. And again, it's not something that happens by they, the leadership doing, it's us wanting to partner. We're feeding into that, our Faith for Generations series again, the way that Hills is leading in life groups and thank you for our life groups as the heartbeat of our church life. Maybe you want to recapture a vision for being a member of a life group. We have people in this church family who are beautifully bubbling up to begin leadership in our men's ministry, in our women's ministry, after a period of transition. We have a new student strategy. We have a a youth strategy that is being developed by Tim for us. We have reshaped a number of roles in our admin team to create resource to support church members in, in leading activities and leading in mission that kind of sense of partnership. And what's to come? Well, I think we need to do something about some of our physical spaces. It's not very easy, actually, just even to physically meet together. And my picture for the future would include that we have spaces as a church where it's much, much easier to gather during the week and for others to bump into us. And I look forward to how God may shape that. Across the town, I'm now meeting regularly with ministers from other churches, and we're growing that group. Gareth is leading for us on Not On Our Turf, Cheltenham, an initiative around slavery, and that's a partnership with other churches. We're being invited into conversations, and we're going to pursue those. Nationally, we're committed to new wine and and will be so, but in a new sense of partnership. We have our, our mission partners around the world. It was my absolute privilege to go on your behalf, I pray you understand it that way, to our partner diocese in Caricho. And with Harry and Sandy Stephen and David and Rebecca Lee, I saw the project that they largely have enabled to happen in terms of farm schools particularly. And I saw women standing before me saying that we used to get two or three grains of rice at maize and we now get 30. I saw a young man standing there saying, because I came for the farming, I've met Jesus and I've become a Christian and I love the Lord and I'm feeding my family now and I'm sharing maize and others with others in the village, with the poor of the village. This is us. This is the partnerships that we're involved in and we know we need to take that partnership with Caricho onto a whole new understanding and level and we will. And we have other mission partners equally around the world. Where, friends, is our vision for this? Where is our personal vision to partner 
you will know that we are going to give you a leaflet as we go today about resourcing our vision financially. Can I just be really clear? Worry is calculating without God. Can I just tell you really clearly, I am not worried about our financial position. That's calculating without God. But I do want to know and need to know how we want to respond. Because God will provide perfectly for our needs as a church family as he calls. And you'll see in our, in our leaflet, in our news sheet, that the amount we were expecting to get in the first period of this year has been a lot less than we've actually got. Now, if that's where God is leading and how God is leading, that's completely fine. He will provide, as he always has done in this church. But dare I ask, have you been holding back in any way? Is there any here who want to say that actually at the moment my giving, my Christian giving, is not a part of my normal discipleship? In this church, can I say, we have quite an unusual profile in our giving. The number of us who give regularly month by month in a way that we've told the church that allows the church to plan is really relatively low. Now, there is enormous generosity. Please, I'm praying so strongly in the spirit that I won't be misheard in this. There is enormous generosity in one-off gifts. But can I say that in a sense, that's not the healthiest way to be? Do you remember from last year's marathon, the picture of David Wyeth? being helped by Matthew Rees. Neither of them knew how their race was going to unfold. That partnership, that serving together, was the most... I can't even remember who won last year's marathon. But I do remember them. Final one, and I'm deliberately taking a bit of time this morning, friends. Forgive me, but we need to. Is planting for life. Paul wrote, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. This gospel based on faith in Jesus, that positioning before God, in partnership, in the quality of love for each other, and then it's bearing fruit and growing. And the promise is that the gospel bears fruit and it grows. There's no divine right for Trinity Cheltenham to exist. The church of Jesus Christ will be there at the end. We have to bear responsibility for the resources that he gives to us, that he entrusts to us. And as a church, I've joined you with a, a, a church family with a passion for sharing good news of Jesus, that we've been led by the Spirit into numerous initiatives over the years that we have incredible networks of links. And, and we're talking about, therefore, planting new churches. Why? Because 98% of the population of Cheltenham are not currently connected with a church. Just hear that. 98% of the population of Cheltenham are not currently connected with a church. And you apply that to where you live. Villages, it can feel slightly different. 
But new churches reach more people. They grow the fastest. They release leaders the quickest. They spread the gospel. This is what the Holy Spirit has been leading us as the people of God in right from the very, very beginning. And he hasn't stopped that strategy. And the Holy Spirit leads you to give your best. The Holy Spirit leads you to plant in ways that actually cost. And this church has already done that over the years. And before I came, you had a sense of conversation with the diocese about being a resource church. Now, what that means, and this is a difference, is that the diocese and the wider church want to put resources through us to plant new churches. Yes, we will need to give as part of that partnership. But hear me again, the diocese is looking and wanting to put resources through us to plant new churches. Can we be excited about that? That's what God is doing. That's how the Holy Spirit is moving. Now, this church has had to fight at times, kicking and screaming to be able to plant some new things. We are being invited to do this. And those will be churches which could be in new places. They could be revitalizing existing churches. And they could be in new ways of doing mission. They could be in schools and elsewhere. I don't know exactly where they will be yet because the Holy Spirit hasn't told me. So if anyone is under any doubt about my desire and definite conviction about being led by the Spirit in these things, have no doubt. But will it happen? Yes. I have that absolute sense of conviction from the Lord. We are exploring two opportunities. I can't talk to you about them for all kinds of obvious reasons right now. And if you want to be on this journey, this is where we can go. 98% of people are not connected with a church at the moment. Such a mission field. But secondly and lastly, under this heading of planting, this church has had prophetic words given Alan Scott at the third person uh, conference in December 2016. Alan's prophecy was about the Lord promising increase, a call to reach the city through a release of entrepreneurship into the worlds of business, civic, and community life. And Alan said, it will not be led by vicars. It will be led by, his words, ordinary people. Yes? Where are you planting, friends? Where are you planting new life. We have a conviction and we're looking in different ways at this. We have a conviction about this church's role in the world of business and bringing together business leaders to talk about leadership and the ethics and the dynamics of business. We have a number of women who are, who are wanting to also explore that very deliberately with working women. And we will do those things. 
And with Not On Our Turf Cheltenham, there's a real opportunity and a linked organisation of ours, Hope For Justice, to make a real commitment and involvement into corporate level with some initiatives around anti-slavery. And we will do those things and pursue them. But the picture here, the vision here, the pathway here is about us planting wherever we are. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing. How can it grow in us? Oversight, foresight, insight. Would you like to stand, please, if you're able to?